Hey sisters, I'm so glad you're here. I wanted to send a quick little message here before we started this episode, just to share with you how much I used to struggle when it came to following through and really committing to myself. I used to go into this mindset where I didn't want anyone to really know what my goals were or how I was trying to be healthy. Almost like I just wanted to cocoon up and emerge this butterfly so that people could say, wow, look at you, you did it. But what I never realized was how key it was to invest in myself and have someone help me with the journey along the way. I was stuck being a serial quitter because I was never investing in myself and and being open about what I wanted and why I wanted it. When I started investing in a coach to help me get from where I was to where I was going, that is when I always began to see results. At the end of the day, I had to ask myself, if what I want is to feel amazing in my body, if what I wanted was this type of success, what would I be willing to pay for it? That's why I wanted to remind you of before you dive into this episode, because right now I am taking on applications for my winter one-on-one -on -one exclusive hormone rebalancing coaching program. It is a two-month program, my closest container where we work together, and this is why my clients get results because we are working and customizing strategy to your unique life, and we're working on the mindset pieces that you struggle with that seem to keep you stuck. So swipe up, apply. I don't take everyone. We will have a conversation first to make sure it's a fit for you. And let's see how amazing you can feel in just two months from now. Okay, let's dive in. What's up, sisters? Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm Bria. I'm your host. If you're new, I'm so happy you are here. I'm your perimenopause and menopause sister, your holistic trainer, hormone specialist, translator of your female body. I'm a recovering people pleaser and hustle addict turned body whisperer and hormone decoder. And I am here to help you de-stress your body, decode what it is saying, become the CEO of it, and own your own health, energy, and weight loss again. This show is for you, the overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated step woman who dreams of a body they feel strong, energetic, and sane in. The woman who knows that she shouldn't just wave the white aging flag and believes in a body and life of peace, love, and purpose. But you don't just know how to get there yet. So if you are stuck in your body, your energy, your life, you are in the right spot. Let's lean in and learn what our bodies are saying to us. What's up, sisters? It is Bria here, your host of the Period Whisperer podcast, and I get to be joined by a wonderful guest today, Stephanie Colesrude, who is a registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating coach. And, you know, what really drew me to her is besides the fact that she works mainly with women, um, is that she is this, and she goes by the intuition dietitian. And you know, we were talking right before we hopped on what what kind of caught my eyes. One, I love this idea of like really tuning into the body that I think Stephanie, you do, you mm -hmm. talk so well about is addressing that piece. And that's what a lot of us are struggling with is just that not being very conscious in the body. 
But even more specifically, you did a post recently about that hustle culture around women. And it just, it caught my attention because I know for the women that are listening to this show that are in those perimenopause years of 35 to 55, this is a real addiction that's that's kind of like coming to its dark night of the soul, come to Jesus moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> So welcome so much to the show. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Welcome. I'm so glad. Thank you. Um, Do you mind telling us a little bit more about you? Sure. Um, So like Rhea said, I am a registered dietitian. I actually work part-time in a children's hospital, completely separate from what I do in my business. Um, But yeah, I work in a diabetes clinic, actually. So I'm very well versed in diabetes as well, um, an endocrine clinic specifically. Um, but anyways, I work clinically as a dietitian. And then I also own a business where I help women, you know, ditch dieting, let go of that perfectionism and hustle culture, tune into their body's natural hunger and fullness cues, and just start learning to nourish themselves and heal their relationships mm-hmm. with food. Because as women, I've don't know a single woman that doesn't have a very complex relationship with food. So that's what I typically unpack with my clients. And that's kind of the message that I hone in on in my social media platforms is just getting women out of the hustle and bustle and perfectionism Mm -hmm. and just learning how to nourish themselves specifically as an act of self-care and self-love instead of it coming from a place of hatred and criticism and judgment, which is typically how that goes. I love that. I think it's beautiful what you do. And it's, it's, it's really cool that you get kind of like an in-house clinical experience as mm-hmm. well as, you know, out, you know, cause you're, you're going to run into two different types of people, like people who, who medically need to make changes. And then people like the rest of us who will eventually medically need to make changes if we don't change. So you kind of <laughs> yeah. get a full spectrum perspective, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I love having that experience I think it grounds me for sure yeah so I love what you you know you talked about this when we talk about this hustle piece um obviously we recognize like let's first talk a little bit about how there is a very real hustle culture like what it is what it looks like what you see in your world yeah so um I'll just kind of speak from personal experience because that's kind of the best way I know how to contextualize it all. Um, But my personal hustle culture, definitely, I I found myself deep in it. Um, The more I became engulfed in gym culture, specifically, (laughs) I was very into um, specifically like lifting bodybuilding style, uh, which is a horrible environment for somebody with body image issues um, and a rocky relationship with food. But um, that's kind of where my hustle uh, it caught up to me um, was in that gym environment. But, you know, if we go even further back, which I often do with a lot of my clients, I find that it's often women who are like type A mm-hmm. um, and, you know, have that intrinsic motivation to excel in their career or anything that they're passionate about, which is something I love about women who I meet that are, you know, very powerful women who are driven and have goals. So I want to preface by saying that's not the problem here. Um, But I've noticed that it's those type A perfectionists, a lot of them who are just interested in health, which I'm sure that you have, um, noticed as well a lot of the women you probably interact with they just care about their health and they want to promote it but 
very quickly, that's a slippery slope to this unforgiving perfectionism that has them grinding day in and day out and Mm -hmm. ultimately leaves them just completely disconnected from themselves, their body, their needs for rest, um, their natural hormonal cycle, and so much more. So I know that was a little bit of a tangent, but that's kind of where in terms of when I started to realize hustle culture, it was, you know, I've always been a driven girl at a very young age. I was great in school. I had big career goals for myself. I was working really hard in university. And at the same time, I was working full time and interning and I was going to the gym seven days a week. And I was, I wore it like a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. I was so proud of myself for being so productive and having it all together and getting no sleep and running on fumes. And, you know, it helped that I was in my like late teens and early twenties at the time, but either way I was running on fumes and proud of it because this, you know, society is set up in a way that it praises that type of um, self-neglect for the sake of producing and producing. So I wore a badge of honor and I'm sure you've met people Oh yeah. How do we, how do we see that society does that? I think that's an important thing to like almost uncover. Like how do we, I I always notice it in these memes. That's like your dreams don't work unless you do like, you know, and of course that's, you know, we know that people can be in awe, but how does society and culture perpetuate that? Where do you notice it? Do you find I notice it, especially in like the rise and grind rhetoric where it's Mm. this idea that we should be not sleeping like I'm sure you've met people who are like oh I get five hours of sleep every night and I have to because that's what I have to do yeah um so people who are bragging about like neglecting their basic needs whether that's for sleep whether that's for like just general rest like any type of rest being interpreted as laziness Um, I was definitely one of those people. It took me a long time to be comfortable even resting because I was under the impression that if I'm taking a day to lounge around and not really go to the gym and be productive, that that was just inherently lazy. Um, so I think that, I think that, that, that self-neglect is definitely perpetuated when you start to hear people talk about bragging about how little of sleep that they get complaining mm-hmm. about it but bragging about it you know and how they're still productive um yes. and specifically for women i think i mean just the fact that there's essentially no room for a conversation about a women's hormonal cycle and how that can play a role in energy and productivity um oh i think that yeah. speaks volumes for the fact that we're expected to neglect ourselves yeah, you're right. That's a whole area that doesn't even consider. It doesn't even get a seat at the table, does it? And that's really, no. you know, and there's this, like, I was one of those people who certainly perpetuated as a, per- I was a, you know, personal trainer and fitness coach before I moved into this area. And I certainly perpetuated this, not like sleep less, but it was like, well, sat like wake up early, no matter what. So sacrifice one basic need to make sure this happens. And that's yep. a huge difference. Like trying to cram in your needs at the expense of other needs is really the wrong way to look at it. What we need to look at is like what, what needs to wait or go or simmer 
while the all the needs are met in our life, like the you know the four kind of key needs that we have, and it's that's the issue I think is that we're not realizing that at like our self worth comes from within, comes from you know focusing on these health pillars or these you know health foundations. So, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, and I I, I definitely find that when I'm meeting women who are flirting with the idea of exiting this hustle culture, Mm -hmm. they have a really hard time letting it go because their identity is so ingrained in their productivity. um, And they have a hard time accepting the fact that maybe they're just like not the most productive Mm -hmm. or most fit person in the room. And I just talked to a client about this last night who was telling me, um, about a comparison she was making between her and someone else who was a little bit more fit than her and how that was making her feel. And I asked her, what if you're not the fittest person in the room? What happens then? And she was like, I don't like that. (laughs) And we had to unpack that a little bit because I said, well, why are you, why are you partaking in these health promoting activities? And she said to promote my health, longevity, injury prevention, quality of life. And I said, do any of those things require you to be the absolute fittest person in the room? And is the fittest person in the room always the healthiest? And she was like, well, no, uh, but some, somewhere along the lines that got, it got lost in translation, right? We have this, like, this very perfectionist idea of yeah. how to be productive and it's, a lot of it's rooted in competition and comparison, obviously, as well. Um, so so there's a lot to unpack there, for sure. Mm-hmm. For anyone listening, I mean, Stephanie just showed what an amazing coach she is right there. Like, those questions are important questions that we get curious about and dig into ourselves. And, like, that was awesome. Thank you for that example. It was amazing. I see why you're very good at what you do. Um Thanks. So now that we know, right, like we understand, obviously, that we're in this hustle culture. And I think that's, you know, it's, it is a difficult thing when we realize ultimately the surrendering of like, okay, I can do less and actually accomplish more like the, that, that piece between surrendering and, and finally and accepting really requires that leap of faith. I think that's the way we have to, but when, and when you dig down, like you just did and ask these questions, we start to see the facts and not just the feeling that culture has taught us. Like we have to see what nature does and not just culture, which is amazing. Yep. How do you, so how do you see the impact of hustle culture on like specifically on intuitive eating or on, 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 on our relationship with food as women? Um, so I think it's important to really address and tap into the internal dialogue that you're having with yourself first mm-hmm. and foremost, and this can be extended to any aspect of hustle culture, but what you're going to start to realize is the judgments that you make of yourself are very telling of you know, whatever you may be struggling with. So for example, you know, when I'm working with clients in the beginning, specifically, I'm telling them, you need to befriend this voice in your head and really start to understand some of the core beliefs that are fueling these judgments that you're making about yourself. Uh, Because when you're trying to heal your relationship with food, seek nourishment, you know, especially in a way that's non-restrictive, you'll start to realize just how often you are making deep and deep judgments of yourself. You have this inner critic that's telling you that food choice is wrong. That food choice is bad. If you eat this, you will be that. Or 
this isn't the healthiest option. I know someone else who would eat something way healthier than this. And those judgments, or for example, a a great example of this also is I work with my clients on overeating episodes and getting to the root cause of those. And when we're working towards minimizing overeating episodes, it's almost never like a linear path of, of progress. It's an up and down thing. And a lot of my clients catastrophize when they have a, an overeating event after we've started working on it. And they'll reach out to me and say, I overate. I'm a failure. Like, mm-hmm. I thought I was getting better and something happened and I overate. And it's this idea that they cannot let themselves be imperfect. Like, it, growth is never linear. What ha- ends never. up happening is. <laughs> Yeah. So there's no gray area, right? So they have one lapse and they think that they've completely failed and that they're not making any progress. And what I end up having to do with my clients a lot of times is obviously work through that and get, listen to their inner critic and ask themselves like, what is this inner voice telling me? What are these judgments I'm making about myself? Where are they coming from? A lot of times it's your mother. Um, and being able, like being them. able to really unpack those judgments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I will say when I became a dietitian and an intuitive eating counselor, I didn't think I would be unpacking mommy issues just as much as I am. So mm. anyways, definitely getting in, t- in tune with your inner critic because you're probably being a perfectionist and it's doing you no, no good. Um, and I have a lot of clients who what will eventually happen when they get out of this hustle culture and this idea that they need to be perfect all the time, they'll have an overeating episode or a lapse or whatever, and they just data collect. And they say, okay, well, what was the environment leading up to that? What were my hunger cues like leading into that eating event? Did I have a nourished day? What was my emotional state? And really getting down into the deep triggers of that overeating event. And then we work together to troubleshoot them and address those barriers and try again. Um, And the amount of stress that starts to leave your body, especially as a woman, when you just let yourself be imperfect Mm -hmm. and just, I call it radical self-acceptance. I actually, um, got that from Jonah Hill's therapist. If you haven't seen that, um, Netflix special, (laughs) it's amazing. Um, but radical self-acceptance, you're meeting yourself where you're at and you're allowing yourself to not be the best version of yourself, but, but that you're going to make the changes that you can and do the best that you do. And it's good enough. It's probably good enough. Oh, I think that's, that's amazing. I love that, that radical self-acceptance. And, you know, what I think is so cool here is this, the journey is like what I hear you saying, obviously it requires this period of data collection in a way. And I, this is the piece that I think so often, especially if we're still in the hustle culture, we want to avoid because it doesn't feel productive. And this is why people just, we were laughing before we got on an incredible reel and everyone should go check it out about you know, really our desire to just have like a pillar supplement as opposed to doing the work along the way. And we're all guilty of it. I'm certainly guilty of it for sure. But I think what we don't always realize is that is like, that's, we know that the quick fixes are not working. That's why, you know, that's why I'm talking to women in their forties and fifties and sixties who are still having the same problem we've had forever. And, and the difference or the important piece to realize is 
there does come a point in your body where she is no longer tolerant. She's like, I'm not doing it your way. It doesn't work, whether you pay attention or not. And so that's when she starts to backfire or rebel almost against you. But she's kind of like, screw you. (laughs) You want to keep trying to do things your way? Fine. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to feel like, I'm going to make you feel like a pile of, you know what? So it's such an important piece. Like everyone talks about wanting to lose weight one. And it's like, Okay, but we have to become the person in the process. We have to, you know, stop tying our feelings to a number outside of us and start tying our feelings to what's happening inside. Absolutely. And that data collection also is really important. And if you're somebody who's feels like you're kind of in that hustle culture and don't know what to do, if you are not fully, fully in tune with your hormonal cycle, your menstrual cycle. Um, if you do have one that's able to be tapped into, um, I urge you to start there. And that data collection is essential in the process. And what I mean by that is I'll give a perfect example. I do this with so many of my clients. They'll hop on a call and tell me, man, this week, I just couldn't get it together. I wanted to go to the gym X amount of days. It didn't happen. I was so tired. I literally took a nap after work. I never do that. I was crying a lot. And I'm like, well, what, you know, where are you in your cycle? And they're like, huh? And I'm like, girl, if we're going to be data collecting about our energy levels and our mood and our ability to be productive, and we don't know where we are in our cycle, what are we doing? Totally. Um, so that data collection period, it, it often leaves us it allows us some space and time to really start to observe what your cycle is like for you because everyone's different. Um, so you can start anticipating your needs and forming your routine and life around these natural ebbs and flows that your body is going to experience regardless. And if you aren't in tune with them, you're probably working against them. And that's going to exacerbate the burnout, that fight or flight, and just overall not leave you your happiest self. Yes. I mean, we can only be our happiest (laughs) self. I think when our body is at peace, when it's allowed to exist as it exists and our bodies are like, you know, our minds may have evolved, but like our bodies still reproduce and digest and, you know, all the other things fight illness the way they have for eons and the way animals still do, you know, it's that doesn't change. So we need to kind of get out of this evolved brain, I think, and remember like yep. hey, we're working with a very proven and miraculous machine here and don't try to outthink it because it's not going to happen. <laughs> no. And I think also in, in hustle culture, you know, because it is a male-centered world and and the men are the ones who created the hustle culture in the first place um there is essentially um unwavering expectations for productivity throughout time so for somebody who is deep in hustle culture it's not telling you oh some days you can be more productive than others and some days you deserve rest most hustle culture is saying Monday through Friday, week by week, month by month, you have a this same level of productivity and you're grinding and grinding and grinding. Maybe take a day off to recharge, but it basically looks like this all the time. And um, that's because men have the same 24 hours every single day because their hormones, that's how they work. Um, that equation does not work 
very well for women. It leaves absolutely no room for the fluctuations that we feel on a monthly basis. And there's like no shame in it. I think there's a lot, you know, a lot of women, I know I was one, I was like, uh, uh-uh, like I'm my PMS does nothing to me. I'm fine. I'm not moody. I'm, you know, and not allowing myself to just be like, yeah, I'm like literally a woman and these hormones are coursing through my veins and there's nothing I can do about it. So the best thing I can do is tap into it instead of fighting against it, because it can be a superpower if you're willing to accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's it's just looking at it from a different way, right? It's looking at it from a and and it's like I, I think of it often. I love that you gave this example, like a very clear example of the of the cycle and how it works. It's like you can either get on the lazy river and go with it and realize like how actually how effortless and beautiful it can be and accomplish so much, or you can get on it and go the opposite direction or try to go across <laughs> it and you're going to exhaust yourself. And that's exactly. what happens, exactly. It? I think when you tap into that intuition, like you're saying, that's when we really start to recognize. It's almost like that first step is recognizing, okay, this is not how it's supposed to work. And now what's my body really saying to me? Yeah. And that that inner critic that I mentioned earlier, you'll mm-hmm. find at the beginning, if you're fighting against your cycle or you're not caring to understand you know, what's happening to your body and listening to the cues that it's sending you is when you do have a less productive week or you're just really exhausted and you don't know why and you're fighting against it, that inter- that inner critic is telling you that you are lazy and unproductive and you could be doing better and you suck. And that's not a great feeling. So then you have, you know, you probably are, what you're doing is comparing yourself to your most productive week and expecting every single week to be as equally productive, not realizing that, and then you know, existing in a perpetual state of burnout, um, not realizing that that standard you're holding yourself to is not really realistic for other weeks of the month. Um, and that definitely can worsen your relationship with yourself because it, it messes with your self-image and you start to um, make judgments of yourself that are totally untrue. And um, that's something I definitely unpack with my clients a lot as well. <laughs> And this is where we begin to see that self-sabotage cycle. Would you agree? You know, it's like when all of a sudden we don't absolutely even, yeah, we have no empathy for ourselves or no sympathy or self-compassion. This is when it's like we end up self-sabotaging because we simply cannot achieve the level that we're expecting from ourselves, which is unrealistic. Uh, that's yeah. Amazing. And, you know, I... Oh, thank you. Did you have something else you wanted to say? Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I want to keep hearing. No? Okay. Um, I was just going to say, <laughs> um, oh, what was I going to say? I think I was just going to say that um, it was something about my personal experience and I forgot. I think at the end of the day, it does tie into that, you know, those perfectionist tendencies though, right? Because we just leave no room for ourselves to be imperfect and that inner critic just gets stronger and stronger over time and you'll realize well you won't realize actually how much you are just being criticized all day like by yourself mm-hmm. and it's just this blanket of negativity on your entire life and it leaks into feeling imposter syndrome which is a, a huge struggle for a lot of women um having 
horrible body image issues, being insecure in your relationships. Like I hate to break it to you, but you can't be stuck in whole hustle culture and also be like giving your best to other aspects of your life. If you are somebody who is prescribing to this perfectionism and this um, unforgiveness for yourself and lack of compassion and understanding for yourself, you're not being patient and compassionate with your partner. Like, or your children. Mm-hmm. I like this happens a lot. Or your children. I have mm-hmm. this happens a lot with the, my clients where we start to slow down and uh, and they start to take a deep breath and look around and exercise some more patience and compassion and acceptance for themselves. And then they come to me and they're like, "So me and my husband have been doing well." <laughs> and I'm like, "Interesting." So I, I do urge you also, if you're stuck in this hustle culture and you have this unforgiveness for yourself and this these wild expectations and, and a lot of criticism for yourself, maybe take a step back and assess whether that's leaking into other aspects of your life because odds are it is. Um, and maybe you don't have the motivation to start working on this inner critic for your own sake, which you should because you deserve that. But if you don't and you're a mother or a partner and you feel like it's starting to affect your relationships, let that be some motivation as well to snap out of it and and find some ways to get in tune with your body because it's a great feeling. It is. And it's, you know, we can do this work on our own. I I think the data collection, whether you're alone or in a relationship, like data collect, because we recognize if you do this work on your own, inevitably in relationships, that's where we get to practice it. That's where things get triggered and come up and give us the opportunity to do this work again. So I love that you mentioned that about partners and kids. Um, This has been amazing. Thank you so much. So, you know, just one more question for you then, Steph, if when if we know then that hustle culture is a part of what's keeping us really outside of our bodies so that we can't be intuitive you know we cannot dig into the you know what is what are the first couple of steps to begin to unwind this would you say data collection or what would you say i would definitely say first and foremost do not try to change anything intentionally just start to data collect um that same kind of quick fix mentality will have us being like, okay, on Monday, I'm going to work out less now. And then they just kind of shift their perfectionism into being another aspect of their life. It's so funny. It happens all the time. Um, So I I would urge you not to make any physical changes right away and to just start data collecting and get really in tune with your inner critic and the judgments that you're making about yourself. I tell my clients all the time, start meeting observations, not with judgment, but with curiosity. Mm -hmm. Like, Act like you are a subject to be studied and that you're very neutral about everything that you're doing, but you're so curious and understanding why you're doing the things you're doing um, and why you're feeling the things that you're feeling, whether it be exhaustion, you know, insatiable appetite, whatever it may be, start to get really curious and study yourself. I would say that's step one. Um, And then you'll start to kind of know what to do from there. And what I mean by that is if you're feeling like, at these times, I'm needing a lot of rest, then start resting. Um, I will warn you, though, most people experience um, a period of time that I call refractory exhaustion. Um, after they are coming out of this fight or flight uh, of coming out of this hustle, um, where they don't have any energy, once they allow themselves enough time to rest, they can simply not get up off their couch for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I urge you to lean into that 
for a second and just sit in it and address the discomfort that you feel for resting and the guilt that you're probably going to have for resting. Um, and it will get better. You'll start to get more and more motivated. But I do have a lot of clients who they'll um, decide they're going to opt out of hustle culture and they go from working out five to six days a week to going two weeks straight without doing anything, but maybe a walk or two. And they're feeling horrible about themselves. Um, it's important to unpack that discomfort instead of trying to force yourself back into a workout routine. Right. I mean, that's um, the work, right? When you're, that's the work. It's what's coming up. That is the work we need to do. That's the work. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say data collect, start to listen to your cues for rest lean into the refractory exhaustion. And then when you start to have the intrinsic motivation to move and, and care for yourself a little bit more, which does take some time, um, take it as slow as humanly possible. Um, slower you take it the better. Um, snail's pace is perfect. I love that. That's how you know the changes that you make will be sustainable because at the end of the day, what you want is to address every minute barrier to nourishment and health promotion um, and taking it slow will allow that room to do. And to continue to listen to those cues, right? Continue to data collect. We're in a perpetual state of data collection. You don't need to ever turn that curiosity off. Um, so as you're implementing changes, things will come up and you can continue to be curious about your reaction to them. And what you'll end up finding is you're a version of yourself that is just so in tune and aligned. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the process that I would recommend doing. I love it. Thank you so much. This has been an incredible conversation. I feel like you've given us so much to think about and, and action steps to begin. How do people find, learn more from you, find out more from you, you know, expand on this if they want to connect with you further? Yeah. So you can find me um, primarily on Instagram. It's the intuition dietitian. I have underscores between the words. Um, and that's kind of my main source of connecting with people. I have all my links on my Instagram for coaching. Um, I also have an Etsy shop, which is random, but I yeah. have little <laughs> stickers and um, t-shirts for like um, my logo, which is body love club. So if you're interested in that, I also, this is like my best-selling sticker. It says, leave women alone. Oh, um, <laughs> rainbow. I love it. <laughs> but I do have an Etsy shop, but I mostly am a coach. Um, but yeah, follow me over on Instagram. I also do um, some lives on Instagram and in a Facebook group. All that information is on my Instagram as well. Connect with me though. Don't be shy. You don't have to be a client to ask me questions. I have great relationships with a lot of the, my followers. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, feel free to reach out to me. I, I love that. I always, I love when, when my guests say that as well, because it's like, we love talking about this. So it's like, yes. don't be afraid to ask us because we want to talk about it. It's, you know, it's something, our passion. So I will put all your links in the show notes there, at least the Instagrams, people can get to everything, but thank yeah. you so much. It's been such a treat having you on. I've learned so much and I appreciate all the work that you do. Thank you so much. It was fun. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on the Period Whisperer podcast. I want to encourage you to reach out to me directly and message me if there are topics or things you're struggling with so we can address those right where you are at. And of course, if you loved this episode, if you learned something, make sure to share it with your friends and please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts.